Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio, Speed City. Welcome to the show, gearheads. We just watched the Formula One Dutch Grand Prix. Max Verstappen wins at home, and it was a fantastic race. This is John Massengill sitting in the studio with Jonathan Green, Les Kaiser. We have Bob Varsha over Zoom, and we will have Chris Medlin live from Zanfort here shortly. And gentlemen, it was a very, very fun, exciting. My notes about halfway through, I just gave up. I was like, I can't, I, I can't watch the race. Tweet and keep up with yeah. what's happening. I've got some scribbles. I yeah, couldn't I, tell yeah, you yeah. what. The, but it really was. Pizza and pepperoni. Okay. It, it was it. exciting. <laughs> and I'll tell you, the, the strategy blunders that we saw today from oh. Mercedes and Ferrari, but they also contrast with the strategy of Red Bull, Jonathan. Yeah. Uh, again, you know, uh, I said that at the beginning, this would be a race of strategy. And at one point before that virtual safety, before Botas goes off, uh, you were looking at a situation where Hamilton was honing in on chasing down Verstappen for the win. I found her name. Hannah Schmitz. Yeah. Is the Hannah Red Schmitz is the, she's the um, principal strategy engineer. One of the strategists. Yeah, yeah she's good. She's Red done Red a heck of a job and yeah. she did it again today. Yeah. Bob, are you familiar with her work? Yes, I am. Uh, she's one of two strategists, actually. I saw an interview with her in which she said they they alternate. She's married. She has a family. She doesn't huh. go to every race. But when she's not at the racetrack, she's in the war room at the Red Bull headquarters. And uh, she and her opposite number, and, and all credit to them for what they do. But keep in mind, Red Bull has a room full of engineers and computers running constant simulations throughout the race. What's yeah. the lap time? What are the gaps? What tire are we on? What's it look like for the rest of the race? So it's a it's a huge effort by Red Bull, something that I don't think anybody other than the big three teams can do unless you have a really, you know, phenomenally talented individual on strategy. And strategists, we all know, in all forms of motorsports make a huge difference. But Heck yeah. Yeah, Hannah Schmidt is a very interesting story when it comes to women in uh, top-level motorsport like Formula One. So and that's good a pressure job. Oh, Big my time. God. It's, oh, it's yeah. a huge job. And I'll reiterate, because of this short track, these decisions, good mm. or bad, had to be made so quickly. You've got a little over a minute, uh, less than that if your car is halfway around the lap, to make a decision about what you're going to do, pit or don't, tires or not. You know, what's, what are you going to do next? And uh, with a track, I think of Austria, Monaco to some extent, but there are very few places in Formula One where, you know, things are happening like this and you got to make the right call at the right time. And are we all in agreement that I'm seeing Toto being interviewed now by Sky on ESPN, but are, are we all in agreement that it was Mercedes that, that, that made the wrong decision today? Oh, yeah. I, I think so. I think that's I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Let me just run down real they quick. They double stacked. They had a chance to put both cars on the red tires. Russell insisted on the red tires. Hamilton apparently didn't and got what he got. And then he was volcanic on the radio afterward about the bad call. Yeah, and that was a very well-executed double stack, but just the wrong wrong tire choices. Let me run down what we got here. So Verstappen wins, followed by George Russell, Charles Leclerc, Lewis Hamilton, Checo Perez, Fernando Alonso down sixth, Lando Norris seventh, Carlos Sainz eighth, Ocon, Stroll, Gasly, Albon, Mick Schumacher dropped to 13th, Vettel, Magnussen in 15th, I think right about where he started, you got Zhou Guan Yu 16th, Daniel Ricciardo all the way down in 17th, Latifi, and then Botas and um, Sonoda out, did not finish. So, but yeah, guys, uh, yeah, I think Mercedes made the mistake. Um, Leclerc, Leclerc, I think had a, you know, pretty quietly pretty good race. What do you think, Jonathan? Yeah, um, yeah it was a, a funny race for Leclerc because yeah. he kind of, he, he like, uh, Jensen Button said it in the commentary, uh, you know, uh, for the ESPN that um, we hardly talked about him because he kind of just was there but not there sort of thing. And he, he came good because of the soft tyre uh, situation. He was yeah. closing in in the closing stages because he too was on that softer tyre. Mm-hmm. He made a very strong move on uh, Hamilton yeah. for the position late in the race. Uh, I thought Hamilton, I, I think Lewis messed up the restart. That contributed to his woes. I, agree. I thought he was. I thought he was starting way early on the lap, and I thought, well, that may not work. And then he slowed down through the final corner and then took off with the whole straight in front of him. Um, I right. think Jensen Button pointed it out on the broadcast, you know, wait, 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 and then go yeah. so that, you know, you cut down the gap to the breaking point for turn one so that uh, Verstappen can't get you, hopefully. But yeah. that's yeah, not how it went. There's no. only six laps left. We knew there was a, a big difference between the medium and soft. One of the things that I wonder is how close, you know, Max has to keep his nose behind Lewis's nose. He clipped it just perfect it looked like to me but i'm i was surprised i didn't hear complaining from mercedes that he jumped the line oh, and I, think so, he did. I think he was clear but it, it was close but uh so anyway the other one was why not waiting to the very last inch of that line before getting in it now the thing that counters that idea for me was that medium tire might not accelerate as cooled down as it was that was what was said yeah. in, in the commentary, yeah. And I, I think that was yeah. Lewis's problem, is that that soft tire was up to, you know, uh, up to scratch. And um, it's always been a problem for Mercedes particularly to get uh, both mm-hmm. the hard and the medium up to up to temperature. Heat in the tire. Mm-hmm. We've, got a, we've got a good call here. Dixon Smith on um, hey. YouTube says, uh, that safety car was called way too late, almost an entire lap too late. Do you agree or disagree? What do you think, Bob? Um... I mean, they was the safety car was brought on track. Yeah, too late. Too late. They they, um, they messed about mess because Botas was sat there for a while. Yeah, he did. Um, I don't know what was the impact of the alleged late call on the safety car. Um, well, I guess you could argue. I'm not sure. That, yeah, good point. Um, I, I mean, mean Science had to give back the position to Ocon. I think it was because he was yep. deemed to have have passed under yellow. Um, I don't know. I didn't think it mattered. I thought it was interesting that there was so little attrition in this race, but the two occasions of attrition that we had, both Sonoda and Botas, had a huge impact on the race. 
Well, which is so, yeah, uh, perhaps same, as it should be. Same guy uh, said, good question. Did anyone end up telling know. us what happened to Sonoda? I don't know. Do you know, Bob? Did anybody get the final? Uh, no, they were investigating Sonoda's problems. Uh, I don't know diff. that a decision has been handed down yet. And let's not even get into the irony of Lewis Hamilton's old teammate bringing <laughs> out the safety car that cost Lewis Hamilton <laughs> the race. Yeah. Uh, we have a caller on the line. We have uh, we have Jim from right here in Austin, Texas. Hey, Jim, how are you? I'm doing great, guys. Hey, uh, love the race today. Listened on the radio for the first time this year. I'm usually watching uh, live uh, or on YouTube TV. Very exciting race. Probably the best one so far this year. Lots of action. Um, just really, really enjoyed it. Uh, a lot of guys mixing it up. Uh, some things were unusual that we haven't seen this year. It was a, just a fantastic uh, listen on the radio. Are you a longtime fan or a new fan? Uh, I would say that I came back to the sport uh, three years ago with Drive to Survive. Uh, watched a little bit, you know, maybe 20-some years ago, but uh, definitely all in. Uh, do not miss a race. Uh, looking for a good finish, although Max pretty much has it wrapped yeah. up with that nine-point lead. Yeah. Ah well, thanks for listening, Jim. We appreciate it. And uh, you're gonna you're gonna go to uh, Coda. You're gonna go to Austin here since you're in Austin. I'm working on getting tickets. Hope to hope to be there. Should make it happen. All right. Well, thanks thanks for tuning in, Jim. We appreciate it. Okay. Have a great day. Thanks, Jim. Um, yes, a uh, lot of new fans from. Uh, that's the second person we've had that said that they were a fan before but reignited by drive to survive i have to say i watched i watched another episode last night i, I actually seen some of it before and you know i just come away tingling going car bring it on because it yeah. is so well done Ooh. yeah oh i i'm yeah. anxious for the next season to come out this year is really interesting what, I think. which episode did you watch ah season four episode four i highly recommend it listen to the chatter between how ukali were Urakali yeah. were dispensed out of Formula One by Haas. I know. We, we need to really analyze this because there were some very interesting comments that I don't want to go into because we need to analyze Have it. Have a look but, at it for yourself. Yeah. But there's a lot Season more going four, on behind the ep- scenes yeah. that the opportunity that they had when war broke out, so to speak, uh, was just exactly what Gunter needed. Yeah, and what Mazepin's father was saying to Gunther. We need to go uh, back and listen yes, to that. Yes, we do. But yeah, very, very interesting. By the way, point... Uh, put, just a quick notice point, uh, 35 points, sorry, 30 points now between Ferrari and Mercedes in the Constructors' Championship. Oof. Hey, we got Chris Medlin who's joined us, and uh, very interesting. Hey, Chris, are you, is your mic on? Because apparently he sent in a very interesting uh, Otmar post-race interview with uh, a strange interruption. Maybe, Chris, you want, are you there, buddy? I am indeed. How are we all doing? I'm uh, good. doing good. What'd you think Great. of the race, man? Uh, <laughs> promised a lot, didn't it? That it had its moments. I, I, I heard you guys saying that the the Bottas safety car cost them the race, but I think it gave Merck a chance to get back into it after the earlier BSC from Sonoda cost them the race. I think if that had run clean when the Mercs were on the hards, uh, then yeah. that was going to get very very interesting. So yeah. um, that's the one that that hurt. And I, I did catch Mario Isto a bit earlier, and I'll try and get him to chat to us properly, but. He kind of said what was good is that all three compounds were working. And he wonders if Hamilton and Mercedes went for that strategy because they saw Alonso fit the hards and yeah. make them work. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very interesting the way that played out. But, yeah, you mentioned uh, Otmar Zafnar. We, we spoke to him pre-race. And then 
I just timed my exit from the media centre well just uh, after the race and, uh, and bumped into him then. And uh, yeah, the FIA president decided to join us at one stage very briefly. Uh, see if you can work out what he was on about. Otmar, you said to us on the grid that you were going to have to maybe find a way through on either strategy or if it wasn't going to be strategy, then perhaps you could do it on track. I'm not quite sure which way you'd attribute getting past the McLarens, but both cars in the points, you must be very, very happy with that result. Yeah, both cars in the points and well into the points and outscoring our immediate competitors is what we really wanted and it's what we achieved. So, uh, yeah, good day. I mean, there's been a lot of talk about what this team does off track. We mentioned it uh, in Spa, but the way the trackside engineering team performs and the way you execute your races is very, very impressive. That must be something you're very happy with. Yeah, and uh, also the, the car is performing well. We keep bringing developments to the car, and ultimately that's uh, you know 80 to 90% of this game. <laughs> the 10% uh, the of drivers. It's just the FIA president, Mohamed Bedsuliam, coming to congratulate. So, Mr. President, what was that? He wants a driver, a super license. <laughs> so we will see. We will follow. But, you know, he's fair. He said we don't want to break the rules. Exactly. We want to be... A fair, a fair FIA that has the rules and implement the rules, and I do respect this. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Some kind words there from Ben Suliam to Otmar, and uh, Otmar. I mean, he's talking there about super license and drivers. Uh, I, do you head back to the factory now? What do you do next for what I'm sure is going to be a busy weekend at Monza? Yeah, I go back to the factory for three days: uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at the factory, Thursday out to Monza. It's a busy time of year. Uh, three races in a row after Monza we've got a little break before we fly off again to Singapore and Japan so um, a, a little bit of time to uh, keep pushing for developments for this year and make sure we're on track for next and then if we do look at the driving picture when do you expect to make a decision do you need to make it quickly or, or hope to that's a good question I think we can take our time we've got a uh, sought-after seat and we should just take our time and make a good informed decision uh, which is what we'll do well, then I'm sure I'll pest you a lot about that in the coming weeks, but thanks for your time. Thank you. Chris, what do you make of Ben Salim's yeah. comments? Uh, I'm not sure, to be honest. I don't know if it's a reference to Herter and the Super License talk there. I don't know if it was uh, in reference to a joke that Otmar wants one so he could go driving and he was trying to be funny. Uh, <laughs> I really couldn't tell, to be honest. But um, Ben Salim does like to make the point regularly about how he wants the FIA to be. Uh, and I think he saw a microphone and thought it's my chance just to make sure everyone knows I want a fair FIA <laughs> so uh, that's kind of that's all I took from it really I guess yeah I was we'll like take it yeah why not I guess but I just I wanted some clarification I, I, I thought it was totally aimed well two two points he was trying to make one was the herd of super license situation mm. and the other one was the contract re recognition board has ruled that is done we have our rules, we obey them, yada, yeah. yada, yada. So, yeah, yeah, trying to hijack the interview to make that point is a little tacky, I think. But, uh, yeah, he wanted to make both those points, that Alpine is going to have to obey the rules and get itself another driver, and uh, yeah. Hurt is going to have to obey the rules and get himself a super license. Drew in the That's a very good point, actually. Yeah, I didn't I think, think that's about the more CLB, likely. Yeah. yeah. Drew in the comments says, Heard it at Alpine confirmed first by Speed City. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, thanks, buddy, but I don't think that's what happened. <laughs> All right, guys, coming up after this, we're going to have Chris continue hunt through the, the, the uh, paddock. Pick, and, pick through that one. Yeah, pick and pick through that, too. And uh, we'll be back right after this.
Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky. The source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing. WindingRoadRacing.com. Hi, this is Karun Chandok, and you're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Hey, guys, I want to give a shout-out to, I think, our first fan ever, after your mom and dad, Jonathan, yeah. uh, Kevin Kelly. It's his birthday. <laughs> Happy birthday, Kevin Kelly. All righty, Kevin. Uh, nice work, Kevin. Last you had a comment. I got you... to give a personal shout-out. While we're doing this, I got to thank so many people for yesterday. I hosted a Make-A-Wish event for a uh, young man. And uh, you know what? Our buddies at Edge Addicts, Cirque the Americas, Petrol Lounge, S's Racing, delivered an amazing day for this guy to forget about his complicated life, I call it. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's wonderful. Uh, You also had a comment on Facebook that you wanted to read, too. Yeah, I got to read that one. So that was was pretty cool. Who was it? Uh, This is Trevor. Trevor, thanks. You know, there's a funny meme that we stuck out there, and uh, Trevor jumps in and says, "The horse on Ferrari's logo could strategize better than Ferrari." <laughs> <laughs> Winner. Yeah, yeah. By the, by the that's way, that's pretty good. 
uh, just again, another update. Charles Leclerc, Charles Leclerc and uh, Sergio Perez now on identical points, 201. Oh, wow. Okay, I meant to look at that. What about Constructors, champ? Have they updated? Yep. Uh, Not that we really need to... <laughs> well, uh, what is interesting well, is Mercedes that Mercedes Ferrari. are 30, po- 30 yeah. points behind Ferrari now, and that's doable. Yeah, absolutely doable. Although now they're now they're on the same plat- level of play, level playing field with strategists apparently <laughs> we, don't, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, what about the comment on Leclerc's team radio? I want to ask you about what you think about this, Bob Varsha. Uh, it said uh, on Leclerc's radio that came over at lap forty three and said the, the Mercedes is faster than expected to Leclerc. What do you think, Bob? Uh, don't bother me. I'm doing math, and it's very difficult for me. Um, <laughs> I saw you had your head down. It's tying his shoes. Uh, I think what um, the Mercedes is quicker on the hard tires than we anticipated, and I think that's when they, along with you know, with everybody else watching the race, thought Mercedes can win this. In fact, they might even be able to go one-two because of the lap times they were putting up on the hard tire. And that was before it, it all went south uh, with the uh, safety car and VSC incidents and things happened as they happened. But uh, to, to Jonathan's point, uh, yeah, we all realize that uh, Max Verstappen has checked out in the Drivers' World Championship, but there's a heck of a battle going mm. on behind. We have a tie for second place among the drivers. Uh, Carlos Sainz and George Russell are just mm. a handful of points behind Perez and Leclerc. I mean, this is going to be... Interesting watching this all go down to the final race of the season. Yeah. Come uh, Austin, I think it's going to be very interesting, actually, because there's going to be, I mean, Lewis is on 158 and Lewis is back in the game. All right. Forget today for a second. Um, but uh, Lewis is either going to want to do one or two, two things. He's either going to go back home um, <laughs> and sulk or he's going to come back out fighting. Hmm. Uh, he'll come back out fighting. He, he always does. I, uh, I know he can be a little punched on the radio sometimes, but. He'll come back out fighting. Hey, we got a caller. Well, at least he knows he's got the car for it now. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and, and let's face it, this is rare for Mercedes to make a strategic mistake. I mean, it really is. Yeah, Yeah. true. Uh, We got a caller. We got Joe. Hi, Joe. Welcome to the show. What do you think of the race today? I love the race. Excited for Max to win at home. A long-term fan of Formula One. Um, although I get frustrated watching uh, on TV, I find that the commentators are extremely biased to Lewis. What do you all think? Uh, you could ask you could ask the doyen of commentators in America that question. He's right with us. What do you think, Bob? <laughs> um, I respectfully disagree. Uh, keep in mind, these are British commentators talking to a largely British, British audience. Yeah. And Lewis is a national treasure, a national hero. Um, so, and a seven-time world champion, a historic figure in the sport. He's won more races, won more poles, led more laps, scored more points, on and on and on and on. He is a phenomenon on the order of all the great champions, including Senna and Prost and uh, Michael Schumacher and so forth. I mean, uh, it, it, one of the challenges of being a commentator, I can tell you from first-person experience, is it's hard to give everybody they want in a broadcast, mm-hmm. from yep. the least experienced to the most sophisticated fan, and knowing that fans come in with a chip on the shoulder about their particular favorite driver, if you say anything marginally disrespectful about that driver, uh, or you praise one of his opponents 
more than you think he should, it's very easy for people to start saying, oh, you're biased, you're biased, you're biased. It's our job not to be biased. And I think all of the, the top announcers in the sport are not biased toward anybody. Yeah, I agree with that, Bob, and I'll, I'll back that up as somebody who also is, is under yeah, that you've situation. you've done it as well. Exactly. Yeah, sure. yeah I, it's very hard. And um, in terms of you, you want to put the energy and the excitement and you want to have your audience go with you uh, and, you know, uh, you play to your audience. Uh, that is important. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to remain as unbiased as you can. Joe, I would say if you are a long-term fan, I have one answer for you. Try F1 uh, TV Pro, the subscription yeah, thing. Yeah, good point. I was thinking because, A, they had Alex Brundle on this weekend with Sam Collins, who's very good on the technical side. Um, they mm -hmm. swap commentary between Tom Gaymore, who's, who's British, and, and Ben um, uh, Edwards. Edwards. Uh, but they also bring in quite a few different people each week. Likewise, our Radio 5 Live have different guests. Julian Palmer, I think, is very good and not biased particularly um, in any way because he was an ex-driver. Um, but I, you know, shop around a little bit. Don't necessarily always listen to uh, Sky's coverage because you're right uh, and Bob's right. They are. I've worked for Sky for 10 years. Um, you know, they are primarily working to that British audience, but because they have such a large investment into Formula One, some 80 people on site, um, you've got to think that that's why New Zealand, Australia, and to a certain extent here in America on ESPN are taking that coverage. Just a, an explanation, not not something that says that you, you're not right with what you say. Yeah, Joe. Yeah. And who's your who's your favorite driver? I, you're from you're from Indianapolis, I see. So you're you you know your motorsport. Yeah, so my driver is uh, Fernando Alonso. Ah, oh, well, you, you can't go. go wrong there. We all love Fernando. Uh, hey, Joe, are you coming to... Oh, we're not biased toward Fernando. <laughs> nah. We love all the drivers. <laughs> hey, uh, Joe, are you coming to uh, to the USGP here in Austin? Uh, I would love to. I'm going to need to add it to my travel plans. Well, how about what are you, you doing for the rest of the year? Yeah. <laughs> how about if you stay on the line and we'll give you a pair of tickets Whoa. to come to Circuit of the Americas for the United States Grand Prix uh, to the sold-out. Yes! Once again, probably 400,000. Well, 406,000 now that they've added this 6,000 Yeah, seat. and that sold out. Like, I know, that sold out. Hey, Joe, what are you well, going to do with hey, those Joe, tickets? Hey, Joe, thanks for listening. Uh, we really appreciate you being a longtime fan, like you said. And, uh, and hang on the line, and we'll get your info. Yeah. Awesome. And I would uh, say, better I, book that hotel quick. We got Chris <laughs> yeah. Medland. We, I, Chris, I'm going to ask you to hold for just a little bit longer. He has a great interview with uh, Helmut Marco. But we got we got Corvette Mike. He's been holding for a long time. Hey. Mike, we got just about a minute or so. What's going on, buddy? Hey, just you know, out here living a dream, watching, We're racing, listening to you guys, enjoying everything. And uh, Ferrari just can't seem to get it. I told Trevor that was a prancing horse. Yeah, well, yeah. I, hey, where are you calling from today? You on the road today on in your truck? Right, yeah, I finished up in Delaware. I'm in the Shenandoah Valley, headed back to Kentucky. And I wanted to let uh, the mayor know that oh. the Flat Rock Racing uh, track out at the Cumberland Plateau, they broke ground earlier this year. They expect to generate about $93 million in their first five years. <laughs> and uh, they hope to have it completed maybe as late as the next first quarter of next year. Ah, nice. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. I'm glad you brought that up. I was actually with somebody yesterday who uh, will be going out there and helping with uh, the first few major races out there. And uh, they're definitely courting MotoGP hard. I, I was told that. All right. Well, hey, we got, we got, thanks. Thanks, Corvette Mike, buddy. We'll see you on the road. Uh, we got Chris Medlin, who 
caught up with Helmut Marco, and I want to hear Chris. Why don't you set this up for us and tell us tell us how it went? Yeah, so uh, Helmut was chatting away to uh, a, a group of press about today's race. It was very interesting, so I did ask him about that. But then I thought, well, we like to know about Colton Herter, don't we? <laughs> and we found out quite a bit about where things stand with Red Bull and Colton Herter and how soon we should know anything for definite. So take a listen to this. Uh, Dr. Marco, four wins in a row for Max now. I mean, this title looks like it's going to be done sooner rather than later. How well is he driving? How impressed you with the way the team's performing? Both the team is doing a fantastic job. You know, we had a driver's on Friday. We recovered. He was on board position. There are no mistakes in the strategy. The pit stops are working. The only thing which surprised us that the hard, the white tyre, performed much better on the Mercedes than on our car. That we couldn't foresee, but we reacted and I believe also without the safety car we would have won this race. Yeah, it looked like you had it covered, but were Mercedes going to be a bigger threat, do you think, without the safety car on those hard tyres? It would have been a bigger threat, yes. It wouldn't have been that easy because Hamilton was on old tyres and hard tyres. The warm-up of the hard tyres, so he, was, he didn't have a chance. And I've got to ask you on, on behalf of all of America, because they're very excited with you at the moment with your interest in Colton Herter. What's the latest there? Because a few of your, uh, well, a few of the other team bosses are saying that they don't think he should get a super license. Uh, we looked at the regulations, we discussed it with the FIA, and because of COVID, is a special regulation that you can uh, take three years before, and also if one result is not maximum points. If it is outside the, outside the driver, they can keep the points. So it's nothing unreasonable. He won f seven IndyCar races. I mean, and that's comparable to Grand Prix races. So it would be a shame if he wouldn't get the super license. Is it as simple as if the FIA give him one, he will be in an AlphaTauri next year? Is that the only sticking point? Astonishing enough, all the parties and teams involved, we found an agreement. <laughs> so how soon do you expect an answer then on that front? Because I guess you'd like to run him in some FP1 sessions this year as well in that case. Uh, let's first we have to get a definite answer and I think it should be by Monza. Okay, so in the, in the coming days we can look forward to hopefully some news on, uh, on Herta's future. Monza, I would say. And does that mean Pierre definitely to Alpine or does that have to wait? No, the, if the team works, then uh, it, it happens in Monza also for Pierre, of course. Awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Wow. Whoa. That is an exclusive. <laughs> you heard it, folks. You heard it, folks. Thanks, Chris Madeline. Wow, Chris. I hate to say it, wow. but... Uh, just, just, just the super license part to sort out now, isn't it? Which is the bit we were talking about earlier. But yeah, that shows yeah. you how close it is. But Chris, I'm, I'm going to say something in a minute which you haven't heard, but why? Does Helmut Marko, given the plethora of the stable that he has, and we talked about loyalty, and Liam Lawson got a drive in that car the other day, why does he want Colton so bad when he's got to then, you know, he's got the same problem Zach's going to have if he, if he gets Colton? Well, he hasn't really got the problem in the sense that um, clearly it's lined up with AlphaTauri for Gasly to go to, uh, sorry, with Alpine for Gasly to go there. That would, you imagine, bring some money in to AlphaTauri and Red Bull and you know, Gasly's not getting promoted to the Red Bull seat, but Colton could 
could be good enough to perform well enough for Tari and get a future Red Bull seat in a couple of years. That's what they want to find out. And don't forget mm-hmm. the title sponsor of that Red Bull team is Oracle. So ah. an American driver in that car would be a match made in heaven with that with yeah. the sport growing if he's good enough. And what oh. Alpha Tari is there to do is find out if he's good enough. All right, let me and riddle you. It, Go ahead, Bob. Well, I was just going to say it ties into what we said in the pre-race show about, and Chris led this uh, discussion, about um, how IndyCar racing generally is undervalued in the point system that eventually grants a young driver a super license. I've seen it written that Red Bull is not happy with the status of their junior drivers, which is to your point, Jonathan, they don't think the guys in their stable are ready, but it appears that they think Colton Herta is the finished product, if you will. He is the best option available to them. And uh, so they obviously want to let no stone lie unturned in terms of getting Colton Herta into the Red Bull universe. All right, let me throw this at both of you. And I've been thinking about this one and threw it out the other day and everybody went, what? How about, okay, (laughs) Colton gets his super license. Andretti says, oh, you're taking my driver. And Helmut Marco and Dietrich say, you know what, Andretti, why don't you take over Toro Rosso stroke Alfa Tori and bring Colton Herder with you and we'll give you our franchise with the money that you're bringing, the Oracle and the so forth, and Red Bull's second team becomes Andretti's team with partnership (laughs) with Red Bull because their 50% partnership with Porsche looks as though it might have gone south. How about that? And and what did you say about the second driver? And the second driver could easily easily be uh, uh, Sergeant. So two, so the Andretti team, to summarize, Andretti team take over AlphaTauri yep. and have two American drivers. Correct. And Andretti gets his team. Nobody has an extra franchise. I like franchise. your theory, Mr. Curry. And Red Bull are the only team really outside of Cyber, which failed, and outside of Haas, which failed, could do what that do you, for Andretti. What do you think, Chris? Uh, I think we're getting a bit carried away, chaps. Uh, I can see the logic. I, I've actually, earlier this week, I kind of had that logic put to me and a few people say, well, you know what, this all adds up. Don't forget as well, Andretti and IndyCar, powered by Honda. Yep. Currently, Alfa Tauri running Red Bull powertrains, which are Honda-badged or rebadged Hondas. And Honda are considering their involvement, how much they get involved, whether even they could take over a team or what they could do with being so successful right now. Uh, but... Uh, then I, I did put that to someone with good knowledge of the situation and around Colton, and they said, no, they think this is totally independent of any Andretti entry, and all of that would be much bigger picture that would take a lot longer, and they hadn't really heard much on that front. They think this is a straight driver interest thing. And Helmet does like taking gambles on drivers. Yes, he does. Uh, he, yeah, he likes to give them cho- give them chances, and he hasn't been able to do that recently, has he? No. Um, you know, it's, it's been the status quo. They've had Pierre for a long time. He's, I think he's a bit energized by, well, you know what, let's, let's try it. And also, that would be another very Red Bull-esque thing to do, to get an American into F1 before any other team did, yeah. when other teams have been, exactly. been trying hard. They got they? And, and, Scott Speed. All right, well, we, exactly. we are going to, when we come back, we're going to take a pause and digest all of this <laughs> in our heads. And when we come back, we'll continue to, to break down what we think is the future. Back after these messages. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Hey guys, we are very excited to welcome our new sponsor, Allstop Brewery, to Speed City. These guys make a fantastic beer, and I'm going to let Jonathan talk about it, but I'm going to tell you about it. When I tasted it, I am not a big beer aficionado. I like a nice cold beer, but I'm always worried about a craft beer or a new beer that it's going to have a funky taste, especially aftertaste. This beer was fantastic. I have absolutely... No, uh, no qualms at all that this is my new favorite beer. But Jonathan, you know why? What makes it so special? The water and the recipe? Well, yeah. I mean, these guys have done their research and do it right. And they've even imported the right water to do it right. I mean, it, it, I tell you, this Alstad beer, fantastic. And I'm, uh, you know, most Europeans are snobs about their beer. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm definitely one of those. Because You're definitely a snob? Yes, okay. about my beer. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because there's no question, carbonation has always been my issue here in the States. It's overcarbonated. And our lagers, our pilsners and lagers in Europe, um, uh, especially German ones, are not that heavily carbonated. And that's a key thing. And that's the first thing that uh, hit me was just how well they've done the beer. Uh, it's based out of Fredericksburg. It's, uh, it's got a great tie-in because, obviously, Fredericksburg, a German town, and now they've got a Texas German beer, and it's cracking. Yeah, and the uh, the facility out there, it's amazing. They've, they've really done it right. It's really fantastic. So so check it out. You can get it at all the local HEBs and everything else, right? Yep. Uh, it's around all around Texas. You can get it. Uh, they sell it in... Uh, uh, on on the shelf there as a Texas beer, but uh, I'll tell you what, you're in, right back in Germany when you drink it. And it's Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Altstadt Beer, A-L-T-S-T-A-D-T, beer.com. Hi, this is Mario Andretti, and this is Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. What did you say, Jonathan Mario? Well, Mario, I'm just wondering how many laps on that on that two seater car he gets in. <laughs> I mean, he must be close to a super license, and he's definitely been passed to drive. So, <laughs> oh, oh man, I tell you, he, when uh, when I was out there doing that with them, didn't get to ride with Mario, missed it by one spot. But he stays in that car a long time, a long time. just I know. like the paddock. We talk about yeah. Mario Andretti being one of the most hospitable, friendly guys in the paddock and staying there till the last guy comes out. He did the same in the car, and he just ran and ran and ran. It was so incredible and fantastic. So in Nashville, yeah. He was doing the same in Nashville. It's yeah. amazing. I was amazing. with uh, Harvey Wallbanger, uh, Davey, <laughs> Davey Hamilton. Thank you, Harvey Wallbanger, is that what you almost said? Yeah. <laughs> But I tell you That's what, harsh. that interview, <laughs> let's just get back to the seriousness side. That interview by Chris Madeline has just opened up and confirmed what we all suspected, which is Gasly surely must be going to Alpine now. And his last comment was, let's wish, it, I hope it goes well and we will know by Monza. So we will know next weekend. Wow. Uh, another this is part just of the jigsaw. Mind blowing. And Sonoda, as you rightly point out, is not confirmed. 
Um, but what Chris said about the Honda connection is there. Um, like I said, you've got uh, waiting in the wings, uh, the, the likes of Pato Award and Alex Pelot. They have not got, well, Pelot has, you know, is, is, is still sniffing around and is definitely qualified. Um, and there are others. Uh, of, uh, no one's mentioned the young Brazilian who's <laughs> killing it in F2. Who's, you know, he's, he's got the championship. It's going to be yeah. a miracle if he doesn't win it. Sergeant's uh, still on Williams's books. Yeah. Yep. And still sitting third. But uh, Chris, are you still there out in Zenfort? I see your mic is muted. Oh, there he is. Oh. Uh- I'm still here. I'm, I'm furiously tweeting. Sorry, uh, <laughs> yeah. Chris. Riddle me um, this: if 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 uh, if that if that's just a theory that Gasly goes, could Colton jump into the seat? Let's say for the U.S. Grand Prix, just for sake of argument, would that give him enough points by doing a full weekend race weekend? No, because he couldn't do the full race weekend because he doesn't have the super license. Gotcha. Oh yeah, that's it's a chicken and egg. Point. So, <laughs> but the sooner they could get him in, the more points they could put. On him, yeah, he get one super license point per FP1 he does, as long as he does at least 100 kilometers and doesn't make a mistake in terms of getting a penalty point during that session. So, so that's that's there are shooting then. Well, yes and no, because he's technically on 32 right now. So if he doesn't get an exemption and he does the remaining mm. seven, which would be brave to do without the exemption, leaves him with 39. So he's right. one short. Yeah, but he has uh, he has that give him thirty nine points and thirty million dollars. Uh-huh. I think that automatically gets you a super. <laughs> well, he's also what sixth in the IndyCar Championship right now with two races to go. Is it conceivable? No, he's, he down, in, get up? he's down in tenth. He's, he's oh. uh, tenth right now. He he can't get to a point where he would score more super license points than he had from yeah. twenty nineteen. Okay, so right. he can't he can't actually improve on that thirty two right now. He's got to drop but, it anyway. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's a bit of a shame that it it plays out like that because it would be fascinating to watch can you imagine if the whole f1 paddock was watching every yeah. car race to see if they yeah. got the points or not be remarkable right. <laughs> you know it's apropos of nothing indycar has a hybrid drive line uh in the pipeline yeah for yep. a, a close future season i wonder if that will change uh indycar racing in the minds and hearts of the skeptics from formula one and the fia and what have you if they're running a similar concept in power units to formula one I think the biggest sticking point from the FIA's point of view comes from the fact they don't have full control over IndyCar, the way it runs. You know, they don't yeah. they don't write right. all the rules and regs. And so they then say, well, we can't guarantee you're doing things the way we kind of want to train people to do them or, or have people do them. We, we don't homologate all of your circuits. So at the moment, there are asterisks by the super license points that exist saying only if all the road courses are on grade one FIA circuits, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. Mm. There's details there. That's how they get a little bit of kind of um, approval to say, yes, right. we are happy with the way this championship runs and, and the standard of it and, and all of that. Uh, so I think that's why they're reluctant to go full in on it with points because they also then go, well, what if we're giving every driver in the top 10 40 points, mm. but IndyCar <laughs> decides it's going to be an ovals only championship. And then you're going to have a very different type of driver in that championship, aren't you? So yeah. Good point. Um, I could I could see where that gray area comes from. It's not as simple as, you know, just just give it more points and get on with it. But I think everyone's recognized recently that that it's not well balanced at the moment. I wonder if there's a way that you could consider uh, three Grand Prix style tracks versus not oval, non oval tracks in Indy to be worth a point or something of that. You know, get three wins. I, I know where you're going. I mean, yeah, I I when Chris was saying that if they went all oval, they're not right now, obviously. And right. the, the you know, maybe it's just a, a moving target a little bit, you know, because 
How long have those points been set like that in the super licensed world where IndyCar's not weighted yeah. very high? I it's don't... been a long, very, yeah. yeah, very good point. That's something Fred Vasseur said. It's like, you know, we have to keep reacting to this and be fluid because at certain times, certain championships will deserve maybe more than at others. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, can, that's, I think that's a fair discussion as well. It's, it shouldn't be set in stone and that's it forever because otherwise nobody will ever go down certain routes and that, that would be wrong as well. I love some of these comments on YouTube. Dixon Smith, <laughs> putting the cart before the horse, but is Brian Herta going to be Colton's race engineer? Andy P says, loving the Herta news, but just hope he's ready for the high-pressure environment that the Red Bull camp comes with. And that is very true. Yeah, ask uh, Albon and Gasly about that. Yeah, uh, Dixon says, you think you guys uh, think Ricardo and Mick Schumacher will both be out of F1 next year. Ooh, no, that's... Mick Schumacher to Williams and Ricardo to Haas, the, he who lasts longest. He's going to get to Haas, do four years at Haas, and then become Gene Haas's next uh, NASCAR driver. There you go. <laughs> and Kevin Kelly's, this is blowing me away. I love this, all this discussion about Herta. <laughs> Guys, this is amazing. I mean, we just have to step well, we've back. Been, and... I mean, we have been, I mean, this Colton Herta story has, has, has been around since he got that pole at, at Coda all those years ago type right. thing. Oh, yeah. yeah. First yeah. time. In fact, since the the moment I saw him in an Indy car, well, I was standing in that that mm -hmm. press room in Coda, and he did his first lap and went straight to the top, and I was like, "Whoa, okay, this is kid we're gonna have to watch." And he continued to hold it. I, I think uh, the end of the first day of practice, I think it was a half a second ahead, if I remember correctly, on that. And after everybody else got out and got used to it. And remember, that was a uh, one-time shot. That's the only time IndyCar has been to Coda. So it's not like anybody anybody really had significant uh, time on that track. Very few. I mean, uh, Alexander Rossi had a couple of laps, courtesy of Speed City and a few others. But, yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it, it was a Alexander fresh Alexander Rossi game. drove for us before he drove in Formula One. <laughs> That's true. <Yeah. laughs> We're still apologizing to the car and his owner. Chief mechanic right? got his car going on uh, I seventy one. We we put Alexander Rossi in a Caterham road car and ran we him. Borrowed that we borrowed yeah. from somebody here in Austin, and we put him across the Congress Avenue Bridge at hundred miles an hour. Well, he chose hundred miles per hour. Let's be yeah, clear. Yeah, that's true. We didn't make him do that. Chief Sebado, that that's not true. We, we know yeah, what he's yeah, doing. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have video proof somewhere in the archive. <laughs> all right, guys, we uh, we got to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll continue all this back after this. Motivation USA, catering to the sport bike enthusiast looking for truly unique parts and accessories. Stand out from the crowd. Motivation is the exclusive North American distributor for SC Project MotoGP inspired exhausts and the largest Rizoma retailer in the United States. Get the best parts from around the world at the best prices with fast shipping and a knowledgeable staff ready to help. Shop online 24-7 at MotivationUSA.com. That's MotivationUSA.com. If you want to know where the path to Formula One and Indy begins, it's three simple letters, VRD. VRD Racing of Atlanta, Georgia are dedicated to nurturing young, single-seater drivers on their quest to the pinnacle of motorsport. Having just wrapped up the team's championship title in 2021 in the F4 US Championship, they also have programs in FR Americas, the all-new USF Juniors, and the road to Indy. VRD is the perfect environment for success. To join the team, drop them a DM on Instagram at Velocity underscore RD. This is David Hobbs, and you're listening to Speed City. 
Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. Your old mate, David Hobbs, bringing us back, Bob. Show most. John, at last you were just talking about Daniel Ricardo, and I, I, he didn't finish well today. And no. everybody, you know, Max was talking about how home crowd, all that stuff didn't affect him, and how the mental side of it doesn't affect him. But I, it's got to be mental stuff affecting Daniel you Ricardo. You know, I really do uh, feel like there's something going on. Uh, I don't, you know, he's one of my favorite drivers to talk to in the paddock. And, uh, I just feel like he's almost he's almost uh checked out checked out. Yeah. He's found beaten down well, for a guy. The guy you know? No, no. I, I I'm not blaming him. It's like are we to the point of breaking his spirit for this? I, you know, he has always lived on, you know, his heart on his sleeve. He's he's the most affable guy, let's face it, in Formula One and his teammate, uh, Lando, is pretty close second. Um, you know, this was supposed to be the dynamic duo. And unfortunately, yeah. he's been taken to the cleaners by Lando. Uh, and that's all that Lando should be doing, I may add. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, he has lost his mojo for whatever reason. I hope, because of the character he is and because I've known him since he was 14, um, and he's such a good thing for Formula One, he's so much fun here in Texas when he comes, um, that he does find his mojo, find a, a race seat and keep going. That's what he wants to do. I said it last week. I'll say it again. I think America would be a fantastic home in any form of racing for him. Yeah, any form. I mean, we all love the idea of him being with Haas. And so, you know, I removed my fanboy for him out of it. But he brings a, a veteran racer mentality with him, which I feel like Mick, you know, can't do that. I think, you know, that that's who we're looking at is... I mean, you know, if if, if Mick were to go uh, and he's made himself a free agent this week, uh, he's got out of the Ferrari umbrella. Um, and, and, and as we've heard from um, Gunter, he's not made a decision on it. And I think he's going to wait, which is quite right, because if he waits the longest, he might get uh, Ricardo for cheap. Um, Ricardo's got some money in his pocket if he wants to keep going racing um, and Schumacher isn't going to be there um, absolutely a Magnuson Ricardo uh, thing would move us forward I time. think two well, successful racers like that would be great go ahead Bob well I, I just I tend to agree um, Daniel Ricardo appears to have lost something um, but he was he was second at Red Bull um, his Renault experience wasn't great, and uh, that was mostly due to management, which has been reinforced by the situations of Fernando Alonso and Oscar Piastri. There's something going on in the upper levels of the Renault slash Alpine operation that turned him away. And now, if he is in fact checked out here, I think he's doing incalculable damage to his to his own prospects. I mean, you want a guy with the intestinal fortitude to to fight through the struggles. You don't want a guy mm. who's going to check out. And I agree. I think he has. And I think he has trouble specifically with having a really good teammate. So as much as we all love Daniel Ricardo, to see him come to American racing, whether it's IndyCar or more likely perhaps NASCAR, he's going to struggle there too. And I, and I wonder about how we would react to that. I mean, my old colleague Dario Franchitti will tell you how very difficult mm -hmm. it is to make that jump from the open wheel cars to the to the NASCAR style stock car and Jacques Villeneuve and Jimmy you know, Jimmy Vassar and all these guys before him 
who had the same reaction. This is a very, very different animal. And, and none of them really conquered it. You know, Juan Pablo Montoya did, but he is an exceptional, almost generational kind of talent. And I don't think Daniel Ricardo is, quite honestly. And, and so, by the way, how long did it take Montoya? He didn't do it flash in the pan last yeah, year yeah, by any means. Yeah, it took a, took a road course for JP mm. to win his first race. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's a very sad situation because we all like Daniel Ricardo, but, you know, maybe it's just not there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. If it ever was. You know, he won Monza. He won Monza. Everybody points to Monza. But that was after Hamilton and Verstappen managed to yeah. take each other out of the won race. Monica. Would he have won that race? Yeah. yeah he got he did win Monaco. Should have got you it know, twice. That was top on his top of his game. Yeah, and you have to Should've remember won he's twice. won eight Grand Prix racing for the likes of Red Bull, um, McLaren, and uh, Renault. Those are all three very, very good teams. Go ahead. Hey, guys, mm-hmm. we have a caller. We have uh, Mark in St. Louis. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Hi, guys. How are you? Good. Good. What's going on? Good. Well, I was just wondering, um, what, I was thinking that maybe Ferrari would make a change to their strategy team during the uh, the summer break, but obviously they didn't. Um, is it unprecedented for them to make a change during the season like that? I don't yes. Think- um, but whether they should do it is another matter. Um, I was surprised, and we all said before the summer break, that Bonotto um, should make some moves, whether it be himself or uh, somebody else. But he came out in the press during the summer break and said there will be no changes. Okay. Yeah, we would, we would have to know. It would have to be somebody from inside Ferrari. I mean, there are no silver bullets out there. You're not going to bring somebody in no. who's instantly going to change Ferrari's fortunes. Um, and we don't know if it's one missing link in that strategy chain or if there's a bunch of guys who disagree over what the strategy ought to be and that leads to the issues that they've had. Um, it, it's hard to predict. Uh, if there was an obvious solution, I'm sure they'd grab it, but it doesn't appear to be there. And Binotto is taking the heat for it. Yeah. It seems like today they're just running the race with a whole lot of, it just seemed like a ship about a rudder, yeah. you know? Yeah, it, it it almost feels like they need like a new COO, not necessarily a new strategist, because it's like missing a tire. We've done that twice now. Mm. I mean, yeah. if you had somebody that could come in and wrangle, okay, maybe the strategists have their hair on fire because they're not getting it, getting the direction they need. You mean they need Ross Braun back? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they well, need somebody to. Open. They need Nigel Stepney back. Yes, Nigel Stepney. Wow. Good one. Yeah, he was the crew chief. He was the guy who who whipped their pit stops into a classic British order. Yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I, I'd love to know what happened with those tires because as commentators mentioned on that TV show, the tires, once you get them, you divide them into sets and those four tires are joined at the hip from there on out. Yeah. So when when you when somebody grabs one tire, the other three guys have to grab the other three tires because that call's been made. Why that fourth tire wasn't available, I just don't Doesn't make know. any sense. Mm-mm. Hey, Mark. Yeah, this is great. Yes. Mark, I want to ask you, are you uh, a new fan or a longtime fan? Uh, well, I'm a longtime fan of racing, relatively new to F1, though. Hey, what um, got you into F1? Years. Uh, drive to Survive. And mm-hmm. my, I have an 18-year-old son who actually got me into it. He, he loves F1, and we, we talk about it a lot. Did he get into it from Drive to Survive, or is he, how did he get he into did, it? He did, yeah. No, he got into it from Drive to Survive as well. Uh, well, nice. Mark, thanks a lot. We appreciate you listening. Yeah. Thanks, guys. That's it's amazing how many people, and I've met a bunch, 
who can't even tell you the name of the show. They just know it's that show that's <laughs> that on, show Netflix. on Netflix. Yeah. I think yeah. That Formula One is fabulous. What's the name of that show again? I can't remember. Yeah. So it's I it's had a started huge slaying impact. dragons after Game of Thrones. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, we I'm, have, uh, go ahead. I was just going to say we got to to pause here and and you know we're on the verge of having an American driver in Formula One first time since Alexander Rossi. Wow. And I was just looking at, so. you know, I, earlier on the pre-show, I was talking about this new segment that I want to call American Drivers in the Race for an F1 Seat. And I had on the list Logan Sargent, Colton Herta, in kind of in order, and maybe we're obviously going to change that, but uh, Jack Crawford, Juan Manuel Correa, Kalen Frederick, and uh, Ben Benavides, Bob, is who you mentioned to me. I don't know yes. much about Ben, yep. but am I missing anybody? Like, I mean, I know you could... There's the name I can't pronounce. Voldemort? No. Bob, tell us about <laughs> Benavides, though. Uh, well, I don't know much about him, and he's not having a very good season. He is uh, 29th. Uh, he was 29th in uh, Sunday's race. He's 23rd in the championship. Oh, I know what I want to say about Benavides. Uh, John, let's go over his, oh, yeah. his ethnicity oh, and yeah. his nationality. <laughs> yeah. Did you read? Uh, let me find it again real quick, but it was pretty crazy that he had multiple, um, nationalities for, yeah. He's like a Colombian, Ecuadorian, American, something else. Yeah. Uh, I've got a good one for you. Here it is. American Spanish Guatemalan racing driver out of Colombia. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Colombian descent. Now, let me give you- Household name. Let me throw one at you. Since the Ferrari movement, since Herta was mentioned, I started looking through the Ferrari Academy and thought, ooh, who's left in the Ferrari Academy? And one of my friends from the- uh, Toyota Racing Series, Robert Schwartzman came ah, up. Yeah. And Robert Schwartzman, born in St. Petersburg, but now racing under an Israeli license. Oh, gosh. So he is now officially from Israel. So he has kept his uh, standing. Um, but he is a very good driver. He's in F2. And if things start to shuffle around, um, he could certainly get a reserve, if not a potential driver, when when you know when the sieve comes through. Yeah. Uh, but watch out for Robert Schwartzman. He's up there, and he's another one we should be talking about, as we should be talking about Drogovic. Yeah, and you know, with Sergeant yeah. Herta, Crawford's looked good, and obviously Juan Manuel Correa. We talked about in the great in the, story in the pre-show, but yeah, with mm-hmm. after his being part of that um, horrific crash at Spa in 2019 that took Antoine Hubert's life, uh, he had uh, his first podium. This weekend, so that was yep. that second was, place. Yep, second place. Fantastic. That was good. Good to see that. And and you yep. know, look, who knows if he keeps progressing, he can be back in the in the picture as well. But um, yeah, exciting news. Hey guys, I just looked up. We are completely out of time. Thanks, Chris <laughs> Medlin, for getting that breaking news for us. It's fantastic. Thanks for everybody who tuned in on SiriusXM and and watched on YouTube and you Facebook and wherever else. And of course. Next Sunday, we'll have the big news. So don't forget to tune in, and we appreciate it, everybody. Thank you all, and we'll talk to you next Sunday. Ciao, y'all. Happy trails. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 